This week, Chris Peterson, founder, editor, and chief of Onstage Blog, onstageblog.com. Join with me as always, Mr. Ben Frawley. How are you, sir? What's up, Chris? What's up, people around the internet? Are you ready to ingest some entertainment and hear us talk about some nonsense? Let's rock this thing, Chris. Oh, my gosh. And Ben, do you want to introduce our very special oh. guest this week? Back-to-back weeks with a special guest, by the way. Back-to-back weeks with a special guest. And this special, special guest is a dear, 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 dear friend of mine. Her name is Lynette Williams. Welcome, Lynette, to Desperately Seeking Entertainment. What's up? What's going on? Hello. Hi. I would make a deer sound, but I don't know how they sound. So, <laughs> I, yeah, it's like, do, 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 do. I, don't, I don't know. No, I they, go, they go like this. They go like this. Ready? They go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I don't know. Since I'm that, was made up. that was made up. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, well, Lynette, it's a pleasure having you on this pod. I mean, you were kind of an impromptu uh, guest during Ben's Comic-Con stay uh, this past year, and um, we're all kind of buddies from college. And so it's just it's always great to bring you know folks on this, this pod that know entertainment, that are opinionated, and you are someone that I've always known that you know speaks her mind. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to having you on the pod. Yeah, that's that's for reals. I definitely am opinionated and I speak my mind. <laughs> And I know entertainment. <laughs> so there yay, triple threat. So for the, any of you who are listening to this podcast for the first time, what we like to do is obviously bring our top picks, most interesting stories, factoids, whatever's going on in the entertainment industry uh, and talk about it here on this podcast. But the kicker is none of us know exactly what each of us are bringing to the table. So this way our reactions are pretty genuine on that. And typically when it's just me and Ben, we do five picks, but when it's, Three people, we bring three each to the table. So, Lynette, you are our guest of honor. Oh, Why don't you kick things off? Why don't you give us your number one? All right. My number one is I am super excited about um, Playbill announced this week um, or earlier this week that here is going to be transformed into the Black History Museum, according to the United States of America. And it sounds spectacular because not only is it theater, it's actually a museum piece and also a dance piece all in one. Um, And it runs only, though, from November 1st to the 24th in New York City. Um, But I like it because it combines kind of a whole bunch of different things that I really enjoy. And it... um, allows the story of African, the African-American community to be um, as dynamic as it actually is. So I thought that was super cool. Um, and I'm super excited. Um, hopefully I will get down to see that very, very soon. Um, so there, yeah, yeah we're going to go for that. <laughs> That's wow. You're really going into the theatrical world this week. I love it. It's something we rarely do on this pod, which we should do more of, but we should do um, more of. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, uh, just on that topic, you know, when I was a kid, uh, Meriden, Connecticut, I forget what school it was, but we went to a um, African American centric kind of uh, series of plays, and they were all based on the Underground Railroad, and they presented them near New Haven. This is like a billion years ago. This is like 
early 90s craziness. And it was probably one of the most powerful things I've ever saw. It was all like based around real stories, like written letters from the Underground Railroad. It was most intense things. So there is a, a place in theater with uh, black history and all that stuff. Lynette, is, is it more of a, uh, is it a museum? Is it more of a, is it live shows? What are they doing? So it's actually a combination of, um, it kind of, have you heard of Sleep No More? The way that um, mm. that was done, where yeah. you, it was an interactive experience. You walked room from room. It sounds like that that's what they're doing. Um, so that you walk through and each room is a different portion of the African-American experience, but there's performances within that room, but there's also artwork. So it's a combination really of both. Um, and some of it is interpretive and some of it is actually scripted. Um, and I think one of the reasons why I picked it is because it really reminded me of a play called The Colored Museum. Um, mm. I'm not sure if either of you two have heard of it. No. Um, it's interesting because it was on Fred Goodson's bookshelf <laughs> when we were in college. Um, and uh, it was a piece that I saw on PBS that was broadcasted. And it was one of those things that just kind of changed my life as um, a half white, half African-American theater person. I was like, oh, people are telling our story. Um, and you don't see a lot of that. And hopefully we're growing in an era where we can see more of that. Mm, definitely. Definitely. It's, um, I saw, yeah, I saw that headline and I, I was really interested in, it. I mean, I think immersive theater is one of those things that doesn't get as much attention, you know, from the mainstream theater audiences as, as I think it should. Mm. Uh, I, I definitely think as prices uh, in of traditional theater become more expensive and, you know, we, this, this, uh, movement of, of, you know, movie-based properties and stuff like that being created. I think the more, how do I put this? I think there will be a certain population of audiences that will want more immersive, um, uh, there's another word I'm looking for. Uh, interactive. I can't think of it. Interactive, interactive yeah. um, type of, of theater. Um, and I think this is right up their alley. And also, I think just also a more cost-effective theater. Um, I mean, it's one of those things where uh, recently shopping for theater tickets, um, I wanted to go on a whim and the cheapest ticket I could find for a Saturday afternoon show was like $250. Um, that's a lot of money to go to experience on a whim, you know, if you're thinking about getting good theater. Um Luckily, I know some discount sites, so I can get a little bit cheaper. But, you know, for the average person, that's not always as easy. Yeah. And, Definitely. you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, the new trend with all entertainment is more interactivity with technology coming. I mean, um, oh, you know, this is something I didn't share. I went and saw um, uh, Tina Fey speak uh, at Hamilton College uh, the other week, and she was talking about she has a a show coming out that's going to be interactive, like the Bandersnatch show of uh, Broken or uh, Black Mirror, right? Black Mirror on yep. Netflix, um, and it's going to be a comedy. So you get to pick uh, the funny parts of this comedy. So more and more entertainment's coming out with more interactivity. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. And I just looked up the prices of tickets for this event, the here event. The most expensive ticket is fifty dollars. Yeah, it's like oh, 50, fifteen to fifty dollars. So um, that's a steal nowadays for to see some really good live theater in New York. So awesome, good first pick, Lynette. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm coming out strong. Beat that, mofo's. I love it, <laughs> Ben. 
follow that, my friend. What do you got? All right. All right. What do we got here? Um, let's see here. I want to talk about a movie that I just watched over the weekend. It is called Dolomite Is My Name, <gasps> starring Eddie Murphy and Wesley Snipes and um, uh, Keegan-Michael Key and uh craig robinson oh my god um, that was it craig yeah craig robinson and just filled with other just crazy people. i think there was a cameo by um you know snoop dogg has a little small part and chris rock was in it a really great movie just a fantastic movie now okay as you both know and the internet knows i'm a giant cult movie nerd and i might own a rudy ray moore uh, vhs pack in my basement uh including dolomite <laughs> Petey Wheatstraw, the devil's son-in-law, and the disco <laughs> godfather. I just might have those things in my basement. Uh, <laughs> um, so Dolomite is a very uh, personal movie to me because it is, it's one of those things. I love black exploitation movies from the 70s. I love just cult movies, but I also love cheesy movies. And Dolomite is all those things. It's low budget. It's out of control. And this movie was so amazing and just showed like a, a creative person and i love the take on this movie because we've all seen movies about uh behind the scenes and we've all seen movies about um you know people trying to make it and succeed and i've talked about this on the podcast these these tropes of you know um music biopics like i don't think they're gonna make it and they come out with the hit album we've seen that over and over again but i just love the this biopic in particular, because here was this creative person and no one believed in him and he bet on himself. It was great. And more importantly, to me, it was I, I was almost brought to tears a couple times because towards the end of the movie, I was like, oh, my God, Eddie Murphy is back. He is back to form. I missed him so much. And I don't know if it's just him saying motherfucker, but my God, it was so refreshing. I haven't heard that come out of his mouth in 25 years. And it was just as good as I remember watching coming to America over and over again. But then secondly, I, I definitely cried and I cried tears when the credits rolled and it said this movie dedicated to Charlie Murphy. Oh, I yeah. bawled. I bawled. And so guys, have you seen it? What are your thoughts on Eddie Murphy? What's going on? What's going on? Let me know. Well, I, I just finished it this morning. Actually. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Lynette, well, have you I watched feel, it? Now I feel like the loser that didn't keep up with the homework. Like, uh, <laughs> sorry, my cats ate my homework. I didn't I didn't watch the movie yet. Well, it's, well it's here you go. Lynette, Lynette, here we go. What are your thoughts? Before you see this movie, what are your thoughts on Eddie Murphy's career right now? Before you see this movie? Um, it's not going great. I feel like after Dreamgirls, I think I feel like he kind of got let down with that. He really he really had that expectation that he was gonna get nominated. Did he get nominated for the Oscar for that? He did, he did, but then he didn't so, win yeah. it. And I think that right. and he deserved that. I mean, his performance in that was excellent. And if I remember the other people that were nominated, it was kind of a joke. Um, but I think that for him, that was a big loss. And he hasn't been able to kind of figure out what to do or where to go because his comedy movies aren't doing it anymore. There's I mean, if you watch them, they're kind of dated and probably wouldn't hold hold up for today's audiences so i think this is going to be a good i think this will be a good jolt for him and his career like it, it can reintroduce the eddie murphy that we know and love to a newer broader audience and hopefully get them to look back at his older stuff before he kind of started doing like dr doolittle and all that norbert stuff <laughs> that i don't like to talk about 
<laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Now I, I can't I, wait for you to see this movie. Yeah, me too. Because that was my thoughts right before I saw this movie. Okay. Yeah. I mean, without spoiling anything, because I don't yes. want to spoil anything for you, but um, it 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 was very. It, it reminded me of the Disaster Artist. Oh, okay. That came yes. out that last year about the room. Um, and you know what? Honestly, if this becomes a trend in Hollywood where we're doing like these kind of quasi documentary biopics about like these cult movies, um, I'm all in. Like, do it, please. I think it's. I mean, what what I love about this movie is it's it's made with love and reverence. It's not mocking, you know, Rudy Ray Moore or any of those people involved. Um, the cast brings it. Every single person, top to bottom, is just absolutely um, doing some amazing things and. Uh, it's just it's it's one of those movies that's just constantly just made with love and um, it's just exciting. So yeah, it was that's awesome. That's great. All right, I can't wait. Maybe I'll maybe yeah. I was gonna say maybe I'll sneak watch it at work, but no, I'll actually watch it. <laughs> it's it's a short movie. It's not a long movie. Um, it's it's short. It's it's like, I think it's like maybe under two hours. Um, but it's it's definitely it's one of those movies where I was swimming almost the entire thing and it. it it ended and I was like, you know what? I would have been a hundred percent okay if this movie had gone on for another hour. Honestly, it was just that good. So um, Wow. Okay. Yeah, it was awesome. So I would have been fine if this movie had been another two hours long. Like make it make it a miniseries. Do whatever you want. I, I was all in from the beginning. This is it was it was a great experience. Oh, totally. Yeah. It, this could have been a Netflix series or something like that. And oh. I just like I remarked I loved not only a return to form for Eddie Murphy, but I mean for Wesley Snipes, who we haven't seen really do anything like that in a while, which I thought was great. And just, yeah. Have we seen him do anything in a while? No. Except for being in jail. I mean, he, yeah, right. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> Got to pay those I mean, taxes. But you know what was great? And not to spoil anything, but it, there, all right. When I'm watching comedies, right, and I'm enjoying them, I get a sense that the actor knows why what they're doing is funny. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when, when someone just phones it in or they don't understand why they're in something, you're kind of just sitting there like, okay, why is this actor even here? But you got a sense, Wesley Snipes, Eddie Murphy, everyone involved in this production knew why th- what they were doing was funny. What was the intent of this? And they just went for it. And it was just so refreshing to these people that I grew up with, you know, Wesley Snipes in like major league and the greatest movie of all time, money train, uh, <laughs> that <laughs> I, I've these people that can make me laugh and they're back. And it was like, I was laughing every single second. They didn't make a wrong choice. I, they did everything that I would have done as an actor. It was, it was just phenomenal. Lynette, I am wait, so excited. Wait, for you. Did you just compare yourself to Eddie Murphy and Wesley Snipes? Of course. Like, we may say, <laughs> you know, what's funny about Wesley Snipes is people forget that he's like a conservatory level trained actor i mean he went to he he went to suny purchases like bfa acting program so it's like i i don't forget that i saw his performance in blade blade 2 and blade 3 amazing blade trinity <laughs> yeah <laughs> i still hold truth that that was good and i like how i like how we just ever. yeah we just glossed over my answer to that question and yes i do so there you go there you go i love it all right good stuff man good stuff all right so for my first pick this week um we're gonna stick with movies because there's a movie coming out next week that is is shocking a lot of people. And that is the fact that Terminator Dark Fate is getting ridiculously good reviews. Um, this is the sixth Terminator movie in a very, I would say, what was a tired franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, and uneven. yet... Uneven. Uneven franchise. Yeah. Uneven. Um, 
And yet this movie with the return of Linda Hamilton and James Cameron's direct involvement as a producer and Tim Miller, who did uh, Deadpool uh, directing it, this movie is now getting like, it's, it's, I think it's close to 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, people are saying it's going to get at least 40, you know, to 50 million this weekend in box office. Um, so my question for you guys is, first of all, are you excited at all for a new Terminator movie? That's actually apparently good. Um, and also like, Maybe like just your thoughts on the franchise overall. Lynette, let me start with you. Wow. Uh, thank you for that. Ladies first. Um, yes. Like, what was that the little Kim song? Ladies first? Ladies Ladies first. No. Oh, <laughs> no. No, that was a little. Never mind. Ugh, I'm so terrible. Anywho, um, I stopped watching after Terminator 3. I gave up. I gave up caring. I gave up hoping that I would ever care about this now the fact that you just mentioned that it's the deadpool's director Mm -hmm. and james cameron and linda hamilton now i'm intrigued um i would i would maybe maybe pay money to go see that well no well no ben how about you man um i'm on the fence i mean i definitely liked uh terminator genesis i believe it was uh it was okay um but it was definitely i'll wait to Till it comes out in, in like home rental or something like that. I'll definitely rent it. I'm definitely renting it. How about that? I'll there commit to renting. <laughs> there you go. I mean, it's interesting. Cameron has said that like he wants this movie to launch a brand new trilogy. And I, I got to be honest, I think you're tempting fate. You're tempting dark fate at that point. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, there you go. Like what I did there. Um, I just think it's like if you if you get a good movie of Terminator after five tries. Maybe you leave it at that. I, I don't know how much more of this storyline do you really explore at this point, but um, yeah. I mean, I there's mean, only so many ways you can go back into the past to save the future and mm. not get a different outcome. Like, <laughs> yeah, someone's going to step on a butterfly somewhere and then we'll all have three heads in 20 years or something. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, no. Uh, and, oh. and also, you know what, Chris? Here, here's my question. Here's, you know what? This might be nitpicky. I don't know what's going on with me, but you know, I'm a big fan of the Terminator uh, comic books. So there was when uh, T2 came out, they came out with, I forget it's dark horse came out with a bunch of runs of aliens, predators, and um, Terminator comic books, which are phenomenal. And they all like play around um, like the Sarah Connor Chronicles that came out on Fox. They're, they're kind of like that where it's like Sarah Connor and her family trying to, um, live after they save the apocalypse. It's, it's a really fascinating comic book series, and they kind of do some stuff in the comics that you can't do in film because you need a bunch of Terminators that look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now, that being said, we are in a day and age where you can do reverse CGI and have an army of CGI Schwarzeneggers. Why are we just having Schwarzenegger with his old skin? <laughs> I mean, as he is now, why not do reverse CGI and have him look like he looked like in the second Terminator or the first Terminator. That's I don't get point. it. Well, I think probably because some people will find that difficult and hard to watch. Like I, um, oh, what was it? The Star Wars where they had the general or the general dude. Grandma Moff Tarkin. Grandma Moff Tarkin. Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. The guy that came back <laughs> and they totally CGI'd him because he was actually dead in real life. Um, I could not stand it. I was like, I know he's not real. And like there was something off about the CGI and like it just made it disappointed me for the entire movie. So um, that could be why they don't want to do that is because if people do have those guttural reactions that could end up adversely affecting the franchise. 
I hear that. I mean, I'm yeah. We'll see. I mean, I, I'm really curious. I hear I hear that point totally, but I'm really curious in a couple weeks when we see the Irishman with you know mm. uh, Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, and Al Pacino when they're just aging them back like 20 years. So I'm really curious to see how that looks. But I'm totally on board with what you're saying, Lynette. Totally. Good stuff. Good stuff. Lynette, what's your number two this week? Uh, um, you know, this is the funny part. I You told me to come prepared. I was prepared. And then now I'm not prepared. It's a thing. Um, I don't know what my number... Can, you, can I come back? Can you come back to me? No, let's, I'll come back to you. Come back to you. <laughs> ben, what's your number two this week? All right. So... I'm going to talk about something right here. Uh, this is a this is a twofer. So I flagged this story uh, beginning of the week, and then something else else came out um, just today, just this afternoon. I want to talk about the future of the Star Wars franchise, mm. which is something that we talk about quite a bit on here. And uh, it was a story that came out from Geek Tyrant, and uh, they said director Ryan Johnson seems sure about his Star Wars trilogy again. So a couple of weeks ago, he said that he was off, that they had creative differences. Now he's back on. Now, just coming out today was Weiss and Benioff from Game of Thrones. Apparently, they are off their Star Wars property, and Ryan Johnson is back on. Did you guys hear that news? I did. Yeah, it is really wild. And the story was that so uh, Weiss and uh, Dibioff they came out and said they're going to focus on their Netflix project. Then Disney came out and said, we actually fired them back in May. So it's not like it was their choice anyway. So it's a really weird kind of wordplay. I I think it's just major studios, which I mean, Netflix is a major studio now. And so is Disney. They're kind of fighting for these elite names to come out with their things. I mean, me and Chris, I think I went on the swear ridden tirade about ryan johnson like two weeks ago but um he is part of a he's a major director that's that's making giant pictures knives out is coming out which is which seems to be it's gonna be a big movie um what do you guys think of the future of the star wars franchise and these directors being shuffled around lynette what do you think about all this i don't think it leaves um consistency for the Star Wars. I think that was one of the big problems with Solo is I was super excited about the possibility of Solo to see like an origin story um, if done right and well can be amazing. Um, But, you know, there was three directors, there was issues with the script, they had to like reshoot. And I don't think that that does anything with the properties. And I think part of the problem is, is that they don't... It doesn't seem like anybody has a single idea of how to connect the stories to make it a cohesive universe. And that's a problem. And I think that's the reason why they're, they're having this need to shuffle around people um, to compensate. Yeah. You know what? So, like, that's, that's totally true. Because even though you have multiple directors in uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe – you still have Kevin Feige overseeing all of like the property. I get what you're saying. Totally. That's great. Uh, Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I think it's just, I think star Wars is in this phase where um, it's a bit, maybe unfocused in a way. Um, I think you've got too many um, cooks in the kitchen of, of people that want to shape what this, this property is. 
without letting, I guess, other creative forces come in and give their own spin, so to speak. Um, I, w- I won't lie. I was a little dubious of bringing in the Game of Thrones guys, um, especially with how mm. that series ended and, you know, the backlash. You mean the cop-out? The cop-out, thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it, it was just one of those like, uh, I mean, it just it, 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 they kind of lost their luster for me. So maybe, maybe it's a good thing. However, if they're moving on from those guys back to Ryan Johnson, I'm actually less enthusiastic about that. So... Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm psyched for the Mandalorian. I can't wait for that. That looks amazing. Um, maybe and maybe putting Feige and John Favreau and these guys who obviously did masterful jobs with the Marvel universe in charge of Star Wars. You know what? It it worked. So why why not give them a try? I, I'm all for it. Yeah, and close. And of course, uh, Mandalorian Bill Burr was in uh, trailer two, and he was uh, shooting all the that. bounty hunters, shooting all the bounty hunters from Southie. And over, over, he was hitting him with a, with a, <laughs> he was hitting him with a uh, blaster over Yorkie Way over the, the green monster. No. <laughs> no. No. I love it. Got nothing. All right. I love it. I love, Damn I love Mandalorian Bill Burr. That's a new uh, Mandalorian Bill Burr. <laughs> it's a character on this, on this. Yeah. You get some carbonite. Gotta get some carbonite Oops, for you. Speak carbonite, real quick. Did you guys see uh, William Sonoma came out with a Star Wars series? And one of the th- what? Yeah, one. So okay, so this might be my number two then. Um, so William Sonoma came out with a cooking uh, Star Wars series, so you can get a. Um, it's I don't know if it's a waffle maker. I'm gonna Google it real quick. Uh, but you can get all these different Star Wars things. One of the things is that you can get the Han Solo carbonite form and like bake a cake in it and it looks like the square carbonite like why it's baking it's crazy it's ridiculously awesome That's, uh, That's but they dope. also have like a c3po crock pot uh they've got some ewok cookie things like it's crazy and of course it's william and sonoma so i'm sure they cost an arm and a leg but Lynette, this is an excellent choice because i'm looking at the pictures they have a death star toaster mm-hmm. um there's an RTD2 popcorn maker. Uh, oh, my God. The Millennium Falcon waffle uh, thing. So you actually make waffles in the shape of the Millennium Falcon, which is only, by the way, forty nine ninety five. So I am – that's not bad at all. I mean, You're the most, in? You're all in? I'm all in. The most expensive thing it looks like is a – yeah, it's that, that Han Solo Carbonite roaster, which, you know, 450 bucks um, might be worth it. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. You know what I think about a roaster for $450? It's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> Damn it. That was great. I don't think I could have set uh, you up better. <laughs> oh my gosh, a Darth Vader's head toaster. I love <laughs> That's ridiculous. This thing's amazing. I'm in. I'm in. What's the most I you know what, Chris? You asked me this like a long time ago. Lynette, what's the most uh ridiculous kind of piece of fan art or fan? kind of memorabilia that you spent money on that I spent money on or, or that I made or that I made somebody spend money on. (laughs) Oh, well that's (laughs) well, whatever you got. Considering that my entire bathroom is decked out in Dr. Who TARDIS gear. uh, And I've only, only made people buy me things for it. So what's, so what's, is there a toilet paper holder? Actually, no, there is not. I have a toothbrush holder. I've got the um, the showers, the shower 
curtain. I've got the rug. I've got, I, oh, I, oh, I have the cup. I have, uh, so I guess the, the most expensive piece is that I got my picture taken with Matt Smith and um, David Tennant and oh, I always forget her name, the one that played River Song um, last year at Comic-Con. Uh, so that was a pretty penny to get my picture taken with all three of them. And that is hanging on the t- on the wall in the TARDIS bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. 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 Uh, yeah. I love it. I think I got out pretty uh, Lynette. I got out pretty cheap at Comic Con, right? I think I spent like forty bucks. You hunted those deals, man. You really, really did that well. I know, and I really had to hunt for that baby Iron Man. (laughs) You did. You were like (laughs) that. Almost could have been like a whole theme song. Baby Iron Man, where are you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's good. That's good stuff. All right, so. Excellent, excellent impromptu number two, by the way. So awesome. Uh, My number two this week, um, this is actually pretty recent also. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the website deadspin.com. Are you? Oh, yeah. No, I'm not. Yeah, so they're not. So break down what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's a a sports blog um, that was originally owned by the Gawker like websites, so like um, Japalinic. uh, AV Club, um, Gawker, uh, and then and then Deadspin was kind of their sports blog, and it was kind of uh, initially kind of billed as like the anti ESPN. So they would do like deep dives, they would do controversial takes, hot takes on various sports stories and things like that, and that's kind of where they made their name. Um, I said the key there is sports. I don't I don't know a lot. I don't do sports. <laughs> oh, okay, not a problem then. Not a problem. Are you so, like the guys um, on uh, the IT crowd? Yes, <laughs> Did you see yes, that ludicrous that display me. last night? What is the sports ball you speak of? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so this the, the this um, this website was bought by a new company called G Slash O Media, and they had kind of come down with this mandate of telling these writers and editors to basically stick, stay in your lane. So like AV club, just write about movies. Um, Jezebel, write about women's issues. Uh, Deadspin, stick to sports. And what's made these sites so good is sometimes how they deviate from their typical um, genres, so to speak. So apparently um, the editor-in-chief wrote an article a couple days or last week that was actually about politics posted it on the blog and was subsequently fired from the site. They fired the interim editor in chief no. because he did not stick to. Oh my sports. God. Yes. Oh my God. That is shocking. I didn't know that Chris. Yeah. So in, but here's the cool story. This is the cool part in solidarity. Um, there is now a, and this is like, this is happening in real time, a mass exodus happening at uh Deadspin. If you go on their Twitter, uh, and just look up like hashtag Deadspin. Um, they are dozens of employees are now resigning from that site. So they are literally um, in solidarity with this this person because they were fired for not sticking to sports, so to speak. Um, and it's it's you know in this era where it's really tough to find a nice paying you know online writing job, uh, it is I think it's somewhat noble for these writers to say you know what I'm not going to stand for this type of editorial policy anymore. I'm out and actually quitting what is most likely a, a pretty decent job and uh, for, you know, the unknown of what's out there. So 
this is happening in real time. I'm all for it. I think, you know, I think websites like Deadspin, Ben, you, you, you said it yourself, like they, they thrive when they do deviate from, from these scripts. You, you don't get that typical ESPN, we're just sticking to sports type of commentary. Um, and it's what makes me visit that site literally every single morning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, seriously. Like, and you yeah. know what? Like I literally had one of their stories starred on Deadspin for this week. Um, and it had nothing to do with, it had something to do with sports, but it was uh, Donald Trump gets booze, lock him up chance at the world series game five. So it's not really like a sports thing. It's more of a political thing, but that's what makes that site. Great is you actually get someone's real voice. It's not just, Oh, I'm going to tune into sports center for just sports. So that's shocking. Well, that's like, I, th- I feel like that's like assuming you're, you're assuming that people are one dimensional and like, yes, I, you know, I said, uh, I don't know what you talk about with these sports balls, but I know overall, like I know rules of sports. I can follow sports if I wanted to. It's just not what my groove is, but it would be like me going to Jezebel and Jezebel. Yes. is feminist issues, but f- feminism isn't just one thing. So how could that, like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why would you, why would you cut content like that? Yeah. I mean, it's funny, like when, you know, being the owner of a website, it's, I, I kind of can see both sides of the argument, but at the same time, if you're a website that's, you know, built itself and branded itself as kind of being the um, outlier, I guess, the, yeah. the exception to the rule, so to speak, then you know, keep going down that path. Um, don't try to rein people in and say, you know, if I just, if I all of a sudden I just started saying, we're only going to talk about like the bright and sunny things of theater and this industry and not really dig in deep, then, you know, we're just doing ourselves a disservice and basically flipping off, you know, half the readership that really comes to this site to, to get the takes that we do. So it's, I'm, I'm shocked. Um, I honestly don't have any clue of what happens to Deadspin now um, I mean, literally, like, I think half of their writing staff has walked uh, and the other half, I think, are about to. And so I think you're and I think you're going to see a, a radically different Deadspin uh, in the next week, which is a shame. It's a real shame. That is a shocking story you're reporting to me. I didn't know that was happening. Um, but just going back to trying to pigeonhole people. I mean, we hopefully all of us are like multifaceted, like entertainment ingesters now because of the internet you know what i mean like you can flip down your facebook feed or twitter or instagram and be interested in multiple things um for example when i went to go see tina fey a couple weeks ago right i got a sense that i'm just gonna put this out there i got a sense that most of the crowd was there because of political views or feminist views um just not that people had protest signs but i got a sense that people were there because of um, the way that this speaker was funded was a political kind of family inside of Hamilton College. And so I was surrounded by a lot of women that I think they were ready for Tina Fey to talk about feminist things and uh, political things. Now, what you got was two and a half hours of her talking about SNL and working with Lauren Michaels. So I was in my glory. When she mentioned that her favorite sketch, one of her favorite sketches of all time was Schmidt's gay. I literally screamed out loud, like, "Woo!" <laughs> it was awesome. And no one knew what the hell was going on except for me and Tina Fey. And it felt like me and Tina Fey alone in a room. And 
what and that is like my dream so <laughs> so are you sure this wasn't a dream said, did this really actually happen i'm i'm gonna say lynette i'm 91 percent sure <laughs> that it was it actually happened but no <laughs> that so like there you are you have these people that were pigeonholed and they thought something was going to happen but as we all know tina fey she is a multifaceted writer slash producer slash actress slash director everything she does it all you know what i mean and there's a person right there you can't try to say oh you're gonna come to our college and talk about feminist stuff or political stuff no tina fey is gonna talk about mean girls and snl and mean girls the musical it was awesome yeah and so you know deadspin that's why i love deadspin one of my favorite articles of all time all time like hands down on deadspin was it was week one of the NFL season, right? And I like to consider myself a fantasy football nerd, a movie nerd. I'm a nerd of many mm-hmm. things. But Deadspin hits like a niche, little little niche inside my brain because it was like, it looks like it's welcome to Buffalo Bills week one and it's opening day of uh, Buffalo Bills season. And it showed this video of this woman like pulled up at the light and she reached <laughs> she, like this is the light to go into Buffalo Bills Stadium. She opens the door and then pukes out the side of her car, <laughs> closes the door and then pulls into the parking lot because uh, Buffalo Bills Stadium is an S show of drinking and just debauchery. So that's why I love Deadspin. They're not scared to do crazy stories like that. So that's a shame, Chris. I wonder what their new site is going to be. We should report on what where all these writers are going. Yeah, we'll definitely I'll stay on top of it. But um yeah, maybe we, maybe I'll reach out to them. Maybe they can, you know, write something for us and give us their side. We'll see. I would love to do that, dude. I love that website. Like my friend or Josh that's been on the pod. That's he introduced me to that website. It's great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Ben, what's your number 3 this week, my friend? My number 3 is um from 25yearslatersite.com um and that is it used to be just primarily David Lynch um content, but now it's everything. But they have a great David Lynch story. David Lynch is finally received his first Oscar. Oh, so yeah. he re- yeah, he received. So David Lynch, for those of you out there that don't know him, just go watch Twin Peaks, go watch Blue Velvet, go watch Eraserhead, Wild at Heart, yada, yada, yada. Um, so he um, had his first, I, I don't know if it's lifetime achievement, but it's, it's something like a lifetime achievement movie for um, all of his works that just have culminated into a very prolific filmmaker. And, you know, it's a shame that he hasn't won till now. I think he was nominated for Mulholland drive, but didn't win. I think that was 2001 or 2002. Um, but here's this filmmaker that is out there that makes, such distinct movies when you're watching a David Lynch movie or you introduce someone to a David Lynch movie, you can obviously tell it's a David Lynch movie, or you can tell when someone's biting off David Lynch, like you can say, Oh, that's so Lynchian or that's so David Lynch. So guys, what do you think about that? When someone doesn't get an award and then all of a sudden they get in a lifetime achievement award, is that kind of like a bogus kind of thing or is it cool? What do you think? I I don't know about you, Chris. I have mixed, I have mixed feelings about it. Um, I, I kind of feel like if you really thought his lifetime of achievement was good, you would have given him another type of Oscar before this. <laughs> like, it's almost like saying, well, 
you're out of the status quo, but we know that a lot of people love you. Um, and you did change, like you added this to cinema. So here, let us catch up and here's an award. Does that make sense? Totally. Um, totally. Yeah, totally. Like, it's like, you know, I'm, I have a, a basement filled with crazy movies that I love, right? That have never been nominated for an Oscar. But you know what? When my kid grows up a little or when my kids' kids grow up a little, what movie is he going to show him? He's going to show him Halloween as one of his first horror movies. And has John Carpenter won an Oscar ever? No, he hasn't. You know he, what I mean? Has your, has your child seen Halloween already? Uh, no, not oh. on record. No, <laughs> <laughs> but he has seen big trouble in little China. I mean, we just watched that thing. <laughs> I love fine. that movie. That's fine. Yeah. That's Halloween, yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> well, no, I mean, when he's older, I said, well, oh, he's yeah, like, yeah, okay. I mean, I think Halloween and aliens is what a 10 years old, 10 years old, right? Yeah. He can do that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> No, he's your son. Yeah, he can handle that. <laughs> I saw Never Ending Story when I think I was like six. And that stayed with me for a long time. So um, that's fine. That, I, that's, <laughs> that's acceptable. What, Chris, what do you think about um, people getting lifetime achievement? Oscars? I mean, I, I kind of felt the same way when, you know, Peter O'Toole, who like famously nominated for like, I think he got like eight Oscar nominations and never won, which is absurd. But um, they, they gave it to him. They gave him a lifetime achievement award, like a, you know, like a couple years before he died, and I don't know. It just it feels like an empty gesture, like an apology. Like, look, I'm sorry mm-hmm. that you know you finished second for all these years, but here, here's an award. Or, you know, I'm sorry that our the academy couldn't get their heads out of their asses to give you an actual award. Um, so yeah, I, I don't. I I think there's other ways to do it. Um, I just yeah, I I just sometimes I have trouble with the. The, the meaning behind it. And it's one of those things where with David Lynch, I think he's, he's one of the more peculiar um, signature style directors, you know, of the 20th century. And uh, I think it's a shame that he didn't win an Oscar, but at the same time, I don't know. I, I feel like he's also the type of filmmaker that also doesn't really care. <laughs> you know, I think he'd be like, true. you know, he's like, it's whatever. Okay. And then yeah. won an Oscar. So what? I still made art, you know, it's like, um, so yeah, I just, I, it just, it's weird. I think it's this both equally empty gesture at the same time. It's like, he should have won one, but at the same time, I don't know. See, you're talking about a guy who really doesn't probably doesn't care about that stuff. I'm, <laughs> I, uh, I just looked him up. He was nominated for director and screenplay for the elephant man. He was nominated for director for blue velvet. He was nominated for director of Mulholland drive. Um, those are just the Academy Awards. And he like won nothing. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and those are some pivotal mm. movies. Like the elephant and, man. And they're yeah. And they're like original screenplays, they're original pieces. They're not, you know, they're not like rehashed IP that we're getting now. They're not like based on a comic book. They're like like Blue Velvet is from his head. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Wild at Heart is one of my favorite crazy movies of all time. Another great Nicolas Cage performance. And um, I don't know. It's fr- when when you have a writer director out there, when it's something from his head, it's the reason why we still talk about Kevin Smith. It's the reason why we still talk about um, David Lynch and Alejandro Jodworski and and all these kind of filmmakers. And um, I don't know. It, it's it's such a different kind of niche than just someone that directs. That you know that you just took something that was already made and you directed it. When you actually, it just came from your creative head. And I always talk about David Lynch 
when I'm talking about uh, creative writing and uh, directing because he um, is into transcendental meditation and, and claims that he doesn't watch a lot of movies or TV. He doesn't want to rehash something that he's already seen, which is really interesting. It's a really interesting approach to creativity. So I don't know. It was a really cool story. And it's just I'm glad he's getting recognized finally by a mainstream award. But like Chris said, maybe he doesn't care. I don't know. Awesome. Good stuff. Lynette, what's your number three this week? All right. My number three, I'm going to TV kids. Um, so I don't know if you guys have uh, uh, HBO subscriptions at all. Um, and I think you think where I'm going to go, but I'm going to swag when you think I'm going to swerve. Um, Catherine the Great on uh, um, on HBO uh, with Helen Mirren as Catherine. It's a limited series and so few episodes and it's amazingly riveting. Um, it's a historical historical drama. And of course, I'm watching it to find out if she ever slept with a horse. That's a different situation. Uh, but until I get to that, uh, the other tales of woe and things and intrigue and espionage are um, really great. And for a woman like Helen Mirren, who's played how, how many queens has she played? <laughs> Well, like she's at least two. Uh, she's uh, like the queen's queens. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's just it's just really well done, and the you know the you know with any historical drama you expect it to be a certain level. Costumes are on point. The um, the storylines are intriguing and keep you watching more. The um, the way that it's shot, some of the scenes are great and they don't, um, I'm just going to say that there's a scene with like an ex execution. I was like, <laughs> it, it brought me back to like Ned, oh, Ned's no. head in Game of Thrones. I was just like, oh my goodness. So um, it's, yeah, I don't know. Do you guys like historical dramas at all or anything? But of course, of course, yeah, of definitely. Course. So. Yeah, I haven't I haven't had a chance to get into it yet because um, I'm still recovering from Watchmen. That's another discussion mm. for another. Yeah, time. I thought you were going to Watchmen. Um, ha ha! See, <laughs> that's what I said. I swerve in swag. Zig yeah. Um But I, I I have to be honest. I'm looking at the cast here. I'm just glad that Jason Clark is doing something good. Mm -hmm. uh, he's he's a much better actor than the work he's been getting yep. uh, for the past couple of years, like the dreadful Pet Cemetery remake. Um, so I'm glad I'm really glad he's in this. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's definitely on my list of uh, of things to check out. I didn't even realize he was in the Pet Cemetery. Ooh, sorry. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah that hurt. That one hurt. That was a waste of a couple so. hours. <laughs> <laughs> good, good stuff though. Good stuff. Um, all right. Well, for my number three of uh, this week, um, we're going to return to one of my favorite segments, and Ben knows kind of where I'm going with this. Mm. Um, what we like to do on this podcast is sometimes dip into some some IMDb profiles. Ooh, and, uh, oh, we're going to this segment. I thought we we're going pet peeves. Take a, oh no, <laughs> that's that's your second favorite. Oh, yeah. um, so <laughs> I got a couple just from today. <laughs> so here is um, you know we typically like to look at some actors and actresses that are doing some um, some epic upcoming uh, work, so to speak. And the, the default for this, the, the person that kind of sets this all up is, of course, Nicolas Cage, because he doesn't say no to anything. And the, the synopses of the, his upcoming projects are usually 
epic in their description. Yeah, they're usually, and, you know, former black ops agents or, you know, former <laughs> CIA agent or, yeah, something like that. And the gift is really the fact that all sometimes you have to do is just hit refresh on his page and a new project <laughs> will pop up because he's, you know, connected to He's everything. faster than the internet. <laughs> He is. <laughs> so I, I took a look back and I found uh, – I went back to his uh, his IMDb and sure enough, he has a new project coming out. <clears throat> and no. no. Wait. I thought might, you were going to another, might, other, another actor. No way. No. We're staying with the cage. We're staying with the cage. Oh, okay. I'm in the rage cage. Are you kidding me? All right. Here we go. <laughs> so he's got two projects coming out, one of which <clears throat> sounds – like it actually might be pretty good. And I don't know how I feel about this. It's a movie called Siberia. And the movie is simply described as an exploration into the language of dreams. That's all we got. It's being directed by Abel Ferreira, who did, um, Bad oh, yeah. Lieutenant. Driller killer. He did the driller killer in bed. King Lieutenant. of New York. Yeah, yeah. I mean, legitimately good movies. Um, he also, is also writing it. So I'm like, Oh my God. And the only person attached to the movie other than Nicholas cage is Willem Dafoe. And I'm like, I'm in <laughs> like Willem Dafoe. That oh, man, that actually sounds, that actually really, sounds good. really good. Um, but so if, if for a second, if I thought I was having kind of like an auto body experience and saying, Oh my God, that sounds like a legitimately good movie with Nicholas cage and Willem Dafoe, the cage works once again with a movie got this summer uh, in 2020. Titled Wally's Wonderland. Now, Wally's Wonderland. This might be the best synopsis I've ever okay. read uh, for Nicolas Cage movie. Ben, are you ready? <laughs> I'm so okay. excited! I'm so excited! All right, all right, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, <laughs> a qu- I can't even read this with a straight face. A quiet drifter is tricked into a janitorial job at the now condemned Wally's Wonderland. The, men, the mundane tasks suddenly become an all-out fight for survival against a wave after wave of demonic animatronics. Fists fly, kicks land, titans clash, and only one side will make it out alive. So he is battling rides Ugh. and animatronics that come alive. It's Nicolas Cage versus animatronics, rides, and characters inside a condemned theme park i'm like in i'm in my glory ben what do you think about that movie oh my god all right a couple things did we i mean how much trickery came into tricking the drifter into taking a janitor (laughs) job i mean really i mean did he just take it or i mean how much did you have to pay him uh second of all what makes these, I mean, animatronic, you know, you ever go to the Hall of Presidents? They're already demonic, so yeah. it's not like, it's like an oxymoron. You don't have to say demonic, demonic, demonic animatronics. animatronics. It's just, is, it, is that what you said? Demonic animatronics? That's just, <laughs> that is like an amazing techno song title. Uh, <laughs> just a lot going on. Uh, Chris, you got a director on that picture? We got we got anything going on? It's the, Actually, it's the quite um, prolific uh, Kevin Lewis <laughs> whose previous Ooh. credits include Andrew Jackson, White Elk, the 1998 classic, uh, Downward Downward Angel. Um, he did a movie called Malibu Spring Break, which I think looks like it was 
Oh yeah, it was a Playboy Playmate <laughs> official movie. Um, so it probably aired on. on oh, CMX. like like one of those like VHSs you got in the back of like uh, FYE yep, or something yep, like that. Looks like he did one of those. Um, he Dang. his his. I mean, he hasn't directed a film since 2007, where he did a movie called The Third Nail, which starred Huntley Ritter, which is like the lesser known Ritter children, I guess. And Chloe Grace Mortz, which I thought was interesting as well. Um, yeah, this is this is this is set up to be amazing. The, the companies that are financing it, I'm in. Have never done a movie before. Like, there's yeah. no. You know what? I'm in. I'm in all the way. You know how like we yep. were talking about Disney Plus, the new streaming service. There needs to be a Nicolas Cage streaming service that I could pay four ninety nine a month, and that. I'll just watch any movie he puts out. How about that? I'm all in. Lynette, what do you think? Isn't that what they created with the unlimited movies? <laughs> yeah, he just keeps making them. This, I mean, it's just great. Lynette, how do you feel about the cage and 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 all this epicness that is coming? Yeah. So, I don't know about Nicolas Cage. I have to admit, I I don't follow his career as intently as I used to. Um, I think since about maybe natural natural. Yeah, Ghost Rider, National Treasure Time. Like, that might have been the last... Yeah, that might have been the last Nicolas Cage movie I watched. Wow, you're missing um, out. Wow. However... You didn't see, you didn't see Mandy? What? No! What is that? Oh, man. Um, you're missing out on life. Oh, wait, I forgot. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So that was my reintroduction. Oh, all right. That was my yeah. reintroduction to Nicolas Cage, which I thought okay. he was perfect yeah. for. Yeah. Um, so, uh, however, I have to admit that that one with Willem Dafoe, it's got me. I'll see that. Siberia, I'm in. I got it. I'll, I'll go. Wally's Wonderland, I'll go with you two. I won't, I won't pay money. <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? Yeah. So we got to buy your ticket? Yeah. But you'll go. I'll go. And we all, just, we'll all meet in Albany and we'll, we'll, go, we'll yeah. go check that out. How about Drive Angry? Did you see Drive Angry? No. <laughs> Drive Angry is a great, it's a great film. I'm going to say movie. It's a film. And uh, he's making love to a woman in a motel room. And the bad guys are coming around like the windows and stuff like that. And he has like giant guns on the side of the bed. And he doesn't stop having sex. He just continuously, and she doesn't either, and just continuously shoots the bad guys. It's, it's one of the most amazing scenes in film history ever. Fantastic. Okay. Fantastic. So um, the director of this movie is calling this movie a mixture. He envisions it as pale rider versus killer clowns from outer space. So, I mean, we'll see. But, <laughs> I mean, Nicolas Cage killing robots in an empty theme park. Two I mean, great movies. I mean, that's, that just sounds amazing. So, um Ben, let's go YouTube my friend. Let's do it. Let's go oh YouTube it. Lynette, All what right. do you got from YouTube this week? What have you been watching? <laughs> yeah. Um, so actually, this is interesting. I can do this lot. Ha ha. So YouTubing. Um, I saw something on TV and then I went to YouTube it because I hadn't seen it. And I'm super excited about it. It's not very funny, but it's pretty informative. So we're going to go there. Uh, you guys know Cheech. Cheech Marin from Cheech and Chong, right? Of course, of course. All right. And y'all know he's got this amazing 
amazing art collection, correct? No, I don't know that. <laughs> I did not know that. No. What? No. Oh, hold on. Sorry. Um, so he has this, he has built over the years, as soon as he got money from all of his movies, he has built this art collection of Chicano art. And he has amassed so much of it that um, he's been able to open up his own museum. And so it's the Cheech Marin, it's, or it's called Rag. Um, I don't know why it's called Rag. Uh, oh, because it's, um, it's the, I forget what the name of the museum is, but it's in, it's in um, LA. Anywho. So on YouTube, I found it's an old clip but I love it because it explains about Chichamarin's uh, art collection and the opening of the museum. And apparently they replayed it on CBS and I just caught the clip of it. Um, but it's super awesome because it's the first Chicano museum in America. And Ooh. it also shows his movies all the time as an exhibit. No, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, it's the perfect combination. And I didn't know that it had actually opened. I had only saw it at LACMA, which is the LA County Museum of Art. And it was um, on loan from him. He was loaning it out. Um, and so I got the um, amazing ability to see it about 10 years ago. And I bought a book and I look at it frequently. Um, and so when I saw that there's actually now a museum and it's open all the time, I was just like, yes. So that is my YouTube wow. clip is about this art collection um that is yeah. amazing that's an amazing pick i have so many questions about this stream of cheech marin movies like do they show dust till dawn or still smoking or you know uh even coco or spy kids i want to know like all these facts or born in east la i love that movie Lynette, my understanding you know that my understanding is is that they are mostly the Cheech and Chong movies. All right. Um, if they appeared separately, I do not know if they broadcast them. So no Chong, it's not on. <laughs> Correct. Which is odd because it's Cheech, Cheech's museum. You would think they would play all of his plethora of work and body. That's fantastic. But- yeah, exactly. So I love him as the yeah I love him as the bartender in Desperado. That's like my favorite Cheech. I love that. The bartender always lives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Good stuff, Lynette. Oh my gosh, you're bringing it. I love it. Uh, ben, what what's your YouTubing for this week? All right, I went a little crazy. I went a little haywire. Um, so here we go. At first, uh, we have the. World Series Game 7 on right now as we speak. So I wanted to do a couple. SB Nation had a great YouTube uh, video, 14 minutes, and it's getting plunked by a baseball as a noble and painful art by Dorktown. It's great. And then um, a foolish baseball talked about why Tim LeCastro should be your favorite weird player, um, how he can almost steal first base. He's so fast that he hits a grounder in the infield that he can still like get first. Um, but I really want to talk about um, is BBC Six Music Radio is one of my favorite radio stations. Lynette, I, I think I introduced you to that. Um, I wake up to it every morning. It's a great mix of new music, um, but then also they played. Um, uh, what did they play the other morning? They played "It Takes Two to Make a Thing Go Right" by uh, <laughs> Rob Bass. It was just they play like random stuff like all the time, and it just makes you like it's a live radio station out of like England. It's awesome, and they have their own YouTube station uh, or channel, 
And they had a live performance by Iggy Pop and his new album. He has a full band. It's a horn section uh, and then a full like rock band, like bass, guitar, drums, and bongos. And Iggy doing his new album. It's great. It's 51 minutes. It's Iggy Pop Live for six music. Check it out. It's a great concert. You will not you will not be uh, disappointed. It's so awesome. Iggy is just making great music. Rock and roll. That's my pick for the week, Chris. I literally just subscribed. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. And they have like they have other people that just do one songs here and there. And um, I love the morning DJs. They wake me up and I've, I've heard so many like new artists that I love and I bought their albums because I'm, you know what, in this, in this time and period where we're just like, you know, ripping stuff off the internet. Like if I really like an artist, I'm going to buy it. You know what I mean? I'm going to buy an album. I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to support someone. Um, And you know what? I, I, through BBC six, I have like so much new music and uh, whether it be jazz or rock or an artist that's still producing like Iggy pop, they just bring just such great content. So I just got a shout out to them. So rock and roll, Chris, what do you got, man? Good stuff, man. Uh, really simple. Um, I was actually forwarded to this, uh, by a friend of mine. Um, somebody in their, in their wise genius, um, mixed together the, uh, nine inch nails song closer with the Ghostbusters theme. And it <laughs> Happy actually, Halloween. Happy Halloween. That's good. Happy Halloween. It really works. It actually really works. And it made me smile. It they actually forwarded it to me this morning and it like made my day. Um but it's 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 it made me and so then I went down of course this wormhole of like, you know, looking at mix-ups and mashups that work really well. I found one uh, of Michael Jackson's Billy Jean with Toto's Africa, which was really good too. So oh, that sounds good. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean there's if you're if you're bored and you're just looking for some like interesting takes on music, just look up you know good mashups and things like that. But yeah, closer in the Ghostbusters theme. Uh did not expect it to work so well, but it did. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> that's awesome. Um well that's gonna wrap things up for this episode. Lynette Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Hopefully you'll invite me back. Oh, 100%. Well, I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Jury's out, I guess. I don't know. But Lynette, do you have anything to promote, to plug, to anything? The floor is yours. Oh, my goodness. So much. Uh, No, I have actually nothing to promote right now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, some people have like Etsy things. I don't know. Like anything. I mean, well, let me ask you this. If you wanted to be found on social media, where can people find you? Uh, that's a great question. I'm on in the gram. I'm on Instagram, uh, yeah. at FuzzWiki. I know it's weird. Uh, but if you find me, you might like a lot of pictures. Um, and I swear they're not all of my cats. Um, I do try to take interesting and intriguing pictures. Um, other than that, I'm on Facebook. You can Google that and find me on Facebook. Um, and yeah, I'm. I have to admit, I'm a little old, so that's pretty much it for now. There you go. I love it. I love it. Ben, what do you got going on, my man? Uh, pretty soon, I'm going to upload another set from my band, Elephant Gerald. Uh, we performed at an open mic, and uh, we are going to <laughs> – do you like that name? We're going to uh, have a full set of, of new songs that I've never performed before, um, some new stuff from uh, – I of course, I reported on the pod that I saw The Flaming Lips, and I was just so shocked by them. So I – learned a song by them. And so I'm going to put them up on YouTube. It'll be there forever. So check that out. 
Awesome. And folks, you can listen to this podcast and all of our podcasts on the Onstage Blog Podcast Network. We are now up and running on multiple different outlets. So you can find us exclusively on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, uh, just to name a few, uh, and basically anywhere you can find podcasts nowadays. So listen up, give us a rating if you can. It definitely helps with algorithms. Uh, also follow us on um, Facebook. We have a, a wonderful Facebook group for Desperately Seeking Entertainment as well as Onstage Blog and our on our Instagram just surpassed 8,000 followers. So we're going to get that sweet, sweet Instagram money soon, that, that Selena Gomez style uh oh no the, the whole thing we were talking about the other week what are they called they're called influencers influence yeah. we're, we're officially oh my god tina fey was just making fun of that she was just like literally we did the pod and then she was like i am uh hamilton college's influencer tonight i was like oh my god She's, <laughs> <it's ridiculous> uh, <laughs> yes she is an influencer of many of many. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. But listen, uh, thank you so much for listening to us. Thank you again. Can't, can't you know, love to have you back. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, we will see you folks right here next week on Desperately Seeking Entertainment. Bye-bye. Thank you.